The League of Women Voters is a people's organization that has fought since 1920 to improve our government and engage all Americans in the decisions that impact their lives. Formed from the movement that secured the right to vote for women, the centerpiece of the League's efforts remains to expand participation and give a voice to all Americans. Our issues are grounded in our respected history of making democracy work for all Americans. Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Finding Perspectives, focused on empowering and educating our community on voting and key issues impacting all of Arlington and Alexandria. My name is Krista Jones, and I'm excited to host this podcast produced by the League of Women Voters of Arlington and Alexandria City. In this episode, we have a short conversation with Arlington County Board Chair Libby Garvey, who provides an overview of 2023, what we might expect for the rest of 2024, and her advice for advocates who want to make a difference. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much, Libby, for joining us on our podcast. I want to start off with asking you, what have been the three main issues that have come before the Arlington County Board in 2023? Well, you know, in some ways it may be subjective to the answer to this question, but I think we all probably would say the expanded housing options, otherwise known as missing middle, Mm -hmm. has definitely been a large one. Another really large issue is economic resiliency. You know, we're working on making some changes to permitting for businesses, making things more streamlined, simpler to make it easier for businesses to start here, stay here, expand here and go into different places because we've got as a, you know, the whole, actually the whole country is experiencing this vacancy rate in our commercial office buildings. So that's a major, a major economic issue. And then I would say probably environmentally, the whole issue of the environment, zero emissions buses, and you know, kind of how are we going to handle our, our transportation and that sort of thing that's not taken up maybe as much time, but it's certainly a major, a major issue. Excellent. And so as we think about the rest of 2024, what are some of the issues that the board will consider? So I think that definitely housing Expanded housing options, we are the missing middle issue. We are, you know, issuing permits now. I don't know if any actually any construction has started, but it may have. Uh, Certainly will next year, by next year. And so we are also monitoring it very closely. We've got two new board members coming on. That was the big issue when they were campaigning. So I expect there will be discussion around that. Certainly that we will continue with just with housing and all kinds of formats. AHIF, the Arlington Housing Investment Fund, how much we put into it, where we, what projects we're able to fund, how we manage that. Can we get other funding? Where can we have housing? Can we expand it here or there? I mean, it's just, there's a lot going on with housing. And I think that too is in every popular urban area. Mm -hmm. Actually worldwide, housing is just a major, a major issue and that is not going away. So housing in many different formats and then I energy resiliency will be a major issue. I expect fully expect to be chair on January 2nd. And that certainly is going to be my focus. I think mm-hmm. if you look around, you read the papers, every bigger major catastrophe, kind of a theme running through it is the lack of power, destruction Absolutely. of infrastructures. And that can happen through a storm like derecho. It can happen, you know, domestic terrorism. There are all kinds of ways that we can have trouble with our energy. And I think a lot of us are so dependent more and more and more. We're dependent on energy for communications, for obviously our comfort. And that 
being resilient in that area is a major issue that I'm planning to focus on quite a bit. So there's an intersection there with just resiliency overall and also climate change and, and moving as fast as we can to you know getting more renewable renewable energy working and fund and uh, powering all of our needs. And then I, I fully expect economic resiliency to continue to be a major issue. We'll be continuing on looking at our permitting, making it simpler, and I think lots of ways to make the transition really from everybody going into the office five days a week, nine to five classically in, in this area with all of workaholics, usually nine to seven, right? And mm-hmm. now we're not doing that anymore a lot. And that's affecting transportation. Metro, you'll, you know, Metro is part of, I consider Metro part of that bucket. How we're going to fund Metro is huge. The region depends on Metro, but it was set up for commuting and people that came into the office five days a week. That's not happening anymore. It also had a structure originally set up for funding that even at the time, this is back in the 60s, people said was absolutely not sustainable. It's the only large transportation system in the country that doesn't have any dedicated funding. Um, it has to be you know, redone every year. And also the way the expectation we have that, that only those that use Metro are going to fund it. I mean, transportation really doesn't work that way. And many people benefit from it for, who don't ride it, but they may not realize that. So I expect that to be a major issue, the whole metro transportation and economic resiliency, all of which are tied together. You know, I would say certainly with this new announcement that you're going to have uh, the major sports stadium now in Mm -hmm. Potomac Yards, that will not function without metro. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a discussion about what happens to Route 1. Do we just taking it down to street line, making it nice and livable and walkable? And now people are talking about an elevated highway tearing through national landing, which we really don't want. So there's going to be a lot going, it's going to be a busy year. <laughs> it way. sounds like it's going to be really busy. And, you know, I know you have been doing this a lot. I just heard you the other day say how you had been on the school board. Now you're on the county board. And, you know, I was actually talking to someone earlier this year and I said, as there are lobbyists and advocates, I said, what do you think has changed the most in the last few years with the whole idea of advocacy? And they said they really feel like advocates are becoming more savvy. So I'd love to hear from you, you know, what have you seen over the years that has been particularly creative or impactful with people who are advocating for change? Oh, how interesting. I'm not sure I would say advocates have become more savvy as much as more sophisticated. Okay. So the means are different because you've got social media. So where you used to do letter writing campaigns, Mm -hmm. and it got to be email campaigns, and then it got to be Twitter campaigns, but the whole concept there is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. I do think the, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it. It's a group that started out. I apologize. I'm having a, a moment here. Not it's remembering okay. it. Uh, yeah. So it's the the group that started out looking about how to, it was right after Trump was elected, how to make change and how to influence your legislators. Mm-hmm. And it was from people who had worked on the Hill. It'll come to me probably as soon as this interview is over. <laughs> people had worked on the Hill. And so, you know, just talking about how you need to, how a, a legislator thinks. So yes. I think there is more sophistication again in how, and I, I guess you could call that savvy, on how legislators think. Mm. But it isn't always, I mean, I find the letter writing campaigns, the email campaigns, I don't think they are really all that effective, mm. particularly when they come from places outside of Arlington. Yep. So we have had issues where, you know, we've gotten tons of you and you look at them and like almost none of them come from Arlington. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. Those are not the people I serve. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also think, you know, particularly in local government, a number of local electeds are there to kind of move on and, you know, move up and do more and they're ambitious. So then they're maybe thinking the political calculation about what they do. There's it's definitely some of that. But I think in local government, 
quite a bit. You have people that are just there to do the right thing and make things better for their communities. And that, and so political pressure doesn't necessarily do it for them. What does is actually good information and good arguments. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's classic one-on-one well-reasoned arguments and persuasion. Mm-hmm. What I see is most effective that people are doing much, sometimes it's not so much all organizing and blasting the county board to tell them to do something. It's actually organizing grassroots and persuading people in the community that this is mm-hmm. the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then it's much more organic and it's much more genuine. And an example of that issue for me is the whole issue of the deer population. Yes. We've got a lot of deer and they're multiplying. And (laughs) I certainly understand I grew up with Bambi. I mean, that came out when I was a child and I was traumatized about Bambi's mother being shot. Deer, wonderful and beautiful. But they're destroying our our forests and our habitat. Mm -hmm. And it's not healthy for them. There's so many, it's not healthy for them. You know, let alone gardens. I mean, I could see you could argue why can't the poor deer eat, eat gardens, but they're also really just eating the whole understory in our in our forests, which is destroying the habitat for a lot of other cute creatures, little birds and chipmunks and things like that. So that group that's been up concerned about that has got a slide deck and a presentation they've been doing, and they've been spending the last couple of years mm-hmm. talk to you know civic associations, civ, you know neighborhood groups, and whenever they can, they come in and they talk to us, and it's always well-reasoned. It's got examples. And then we start, I start getting emails from people about it. And that works pretty well. That To some extent, that's uh, one of the most effective lobbying efforts I did was not actually local. It was uh, when I was on the school board and we were working to get better funding for support for second language learners in the state. And the method we used was basically top and t- uh, bottom up and top down. Mm-hmm. So they both lobby and educate the grassroots, a lot of people who are, you know, the general population. And then you also educate and talk to the people who are the decision makers. Mm-hmm. And that combination, it takes time and persistence, but mm-hmm. it can be incredibly, incredibly effective. Yeah. Hearing you talk, it sounds like it's just, it's a lot of work. It's just old fashioned, like you said, persuasion, grassroots. We think when we have these new tools like social media, while they can be aids, I think we tend to rely heavily on them and think that they're effective, but they just aren't always that effective. So well, I know. And in, yeah. And in part, in part, because it doesn't have, it doesn't take time. Right. You just types on you, you don't even think about what you're doing. You don't even have to think about it. <laughs> Blast it, and then you feel better because you like <laughs> somebody, and that's useful. And I will tell you, as an elected official, which I've seen sometimes, you also get your backup when you have mm-hmm. people constantly yelling at you, mm-hmm. and you know that you and your staff are working really hard. You might not be doing the right thing, and you're trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But when people, all they do is yell at you, right? You just don't react well because we're all people in the end, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think that's excellent advice. So lastly, if there was one piece of advice that you could provide just for Arlington residents in general for 2024, what would that be? Yeah. So to me, it's let's keep our eye on the prize, mm-hmm. which is, is a safe, equitable, economically secure community. Mm-hmm. I sometimes worry the shiny new thing gets in the way mm. of common sense, actually. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, example for me right now, um, and I'll probably have people upset that were listening to this, is the whole issue of zero emission buses. Mm-hmm. I What I've realized is that we soon are going to have the capability to trap the methane gas out of our water treatment plant. Mm-hmm. And that can be pour, put in the form of natural gas, which can power the buses that we have. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to buy all new buses. You don't have to you know, learn whole new ways of repairing them and train people and work it out and work out bugs. You've got these buses, you know, they work and you've got 
fuel that you're actually producing here in the county, right? Every time you flush the toilet. Mm-hmm. That is probably a much better option, certainly now, than electric buses, which are expensive, which mm-hmm. sometimes don't have the, uh, they don't operate necessarily well when it's really cold or really hot. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of issues there. They need to be, you know, there's whole new purchases. There's a lot going on to get, and it uses up a lot of land. And sometimes you may need, some studies show that you might even need twice the number of buses because their range is so limited. Mm-hmm. That's all being worked out. So there's that. And then there's hydrogen fuel cell buses. And those it's looking like may not have as many issues and the fuel may be more effective. And those actually may be a much more effective way of running a bus system. But because everybody's so excited about electric buses, they think that's the solution. We're getting incredible pressure. And and, and some of my colleagues are there on to do electric buses right now and go full bore electric buses. My concern is it's a whole lot of money on a technology that really may not be the best when we actually have right here what's working pretty darn well. And maybe what we want to do is actually look at the diesel buses in our school bus fleet and put that money into switching diesel buses out for compressed natural gas, which would make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. So that to me is a common sense thing, but people get kind of, you know, attracted to, as I say, it's sort of like the shiny new thing. I get it. And it feels like, you know, if only we did this, we'd be okay. But of course that's, that's not really the case. You know, another thing with getting pressure from some folks, which I've talked to, to change our form of government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm thinking, well, why? <laughs> <laughs> and so there's just sometimes people get attracted to, you know, everything's fine. Let's try something new. And I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not even saying it's necessarily bad to do. I just think we need to take our time and do it. We just need to be clear eyed about what the real issues are we're facing. Mm-hmm. And as I was talking about earlier, to me, it's much more things like energy resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, is everybody in Arlington okay if the grid goes down for two weeks? Wow. It yeah, it could. And I don't Mm -hmm. think people know what they're going to do. Well, me as an elected official, that's my focus right now, because I think that's way more important than trying to make be, you know, cutting edge on some buses that might not even work out or, you know, spend a lot of time on that or some time on just a lot of things that may or may not work out. And I'm fine for people to think about it, work on it. We just don't, you just don't do it quickly. That's what it is. And that's typical for somebody of my generation, older, (laughs) who's been around for a long time, right? I see this as ship of state, really, I think is a good analogy. I often think of it as a canoe, you know, and we're going down this river. And when you hit the rapids, the whitewater rapids, you don't want to flip the canoe. You want to keep the canoe afloat. And sometimes that means like staying in the center and being cautious and careful about what you do. When you get to more sailing, you can do, you can try some new things, but it feels like we're heading into some very unsettled times. And I don't believe that this is the time to to try some new things just because they look like they might be better when there's some clearly some issues that we need to deal with right now. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Libby, for joining us. We really appreciate um, you taking time to speak with us today. That's just great. It was a, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Krista. Thank you for listening to Finding Perspectives. We hope that you learned a little more about this important topic and consider how it will factor into your voting decisions. For more information about the League of Women Voters of Arlington and Alexandria City, visit my.lwv.org backslash Virginia backslash Arlington. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash LWV Arlington or on Instagram at LWVARLALEX. C-I-T-Y, or on Twitter or X at LWV Arlington VA.